In episode 55 of MobyCast, we start a new mini-series on how to become a great software developer. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about cloud-native development, AWS, and building distributed systems. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Chris and Rich. It's another episode of MobyCast. Hey. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Hey, so uh, let's just find out what we've been up to. Rich, what have you been up to this past week? So last week I was at a conference called MicroConf in Las Vegas, which is a sort of a smaller software-focused conference that you know follows bootstrappers and, and self-funded solopreneurs. It's a pretty cool yearly event that I've been going to for about three or four years. So just recovered in Vegas? Yeah, it was in Vegas, yeah. Where did you stay? At the Tropicana, where the event was. Cool. Yeah. I'm not stayed there. Oh, there's nothing special about it, but it's cheap. <laughs> There you go. That's what you want for a bootstrappers conference, right? Mm-hmm. That's nice. right. Yep. Chris, how about you? What have you been up to, or what are you about to be up to? Yeah, I'm busy preparing for a spring break with my with my family. So we're heading off the continent, going to Italy, going to be visiting Venice and Rome. So super excited for that. Although. You know, it feels like I just got done with, what was it, 32 hours each way, going back and forth to Brazil. At least this time, it's only about 16, 18 hours each way. So much closer. Yeah. Yep. And you're you're well-practiced, so no Although problem. The time zone change is going to be a killer, right? Yep. Nine hours difference. So yep. I'll just spend the whole week feeling so bad for you and how tired you must be. <laughs> As I stuff my face with gelato, espresso, yep. cornetto. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about, now I, I want to apologize to people that are excited for another episode in our networking series. We just, you know, networking is is something that we always need to brush up on ourselves in order to be able to talk well about it. And in thinking about brushing up, we thought, oh, you know, actually this this kind of relates to just the topic of staying up to date and and being, you know, a great software developer. So let's take just a little break from networking and we will get back to it and just talk about, you know, what are some things that we can do to be great software developers, to go from somebody who can code to somebody who is just, you know, super great at coding. Somebody who on a team is just indispensable. That was the word I was looking for is indispensable. So here's seven things to become a great software developer. Chris, can you kick us off? Yeah, sure. And so, I mean, kind of like the motivation for talking about this today is just, this is a very real, very real world topic for us. Um, Just at, at Kelsey's and actually just about every company I've been at. So, you know, we've talked about how Technology is changing so rapidly. So much innovation is happening. Big shifts in just how software is built and the the tech stacks that go along with them. So software developers have to continually learn and evolve and improve. And in order to make those kinds of transitions and to improve, like you really do need to have like some core foundational baseline skills and just hard fought knowledge. And so, you know, this is something that we think about a lot with our team. You know, we've we've done a lot. We've put together a plan and do a lot of things that, to help foster that kind of development. So we've done things like we've instituted one-on-one meetings where we set set up individual plans for each one of our developers on like the kind of goals that they want to attain and what they need to work on and, and help them achieve those goals. We have monthly engineering team sessions where we all get together as a team and spend some time just to talk through some some pretty big important issues related to engineering and processes and whatnot we have online training available to to our to our team we do prioritize code reviews quite a bit as a way of of fostering learning and improvement 
And then we we do things like the offsite retreats that we just recently had where we were in Brazil for a week where much maybe to uh, some people's chagrin, most of the time, we actually spent most of the time doing serious engineering and learning and professional development and less time on the beach. So we, we very much prioritize it. Um, yeah, but it's so hard to be looking out at the beautiful ocean while you're while you're sitting there like reading man pages, trying to <laughs> trying to get better at bash skills. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> but it's important, right? And I get, this is just this is just the landscape. This is it's critical in order to be to be successful in software development. So right. So I just want to reiterate those things because you just listed off a few things that I think are, you know, I think are great. And and we are, you know, we're doing this from a management leadership perspective. So I'll, I'll list off the five things and then kind of flip them around to think about it from, you know, a personal perspective. So the five things are the one-on-one meetings. So if, you're, if your company is not providing those for you, then maybe flip it around and think of, Who's somebody who I look up to who is a software developer that can mentor me? That's essentially what that's about, is getting that that regular mentorship. And hopefully your company is providing that for you. But but if they're not, you know, it's really on yourself to, to find that. And then the next one, monthly engineering team sessions. That really is more of a company thing. And different companies might do that different ways. But if your company is big enough to, that not everybody can talk to each other every day about whatever small project you're working on, then there's got to be some cross-pollination. And if, again, you can do that, you know, if, if your company's not doing that for you and you see that there needs to be more cross-pollination, you will rise in the ranks if you point that out and suggest it and organize it for your company. Absolutely. Offsite retreats, that's really a Kelsey's thing, but I think that the equivalent would be going to conferences, wouldn't you say, Chris? Like in Amer- in the U.S., Going to conferences is kind of the equivalent of what we're trying to pull off at Kelsey's camp. Just it's just that it's the conferences available in South America are just not at the right level for our team and not not presenting the right types of things. So we are essentially bringing the conference to them. Wouldn't you say that's kind of what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's also it's not nearly as cost effective to send folks to conferences as well when you have such a such a big team. But yeah, I mean, conferences are a great way. I mean, they. They are kind of spendy, but pick your conferences right and you can get a wealth of of learning and improvement in it. So we've, we've talked about in the past things like reInvent, like that's a, a must do if you're in the world of cloud and in DockerCon as well, which I'll be going to here in a, in a couple of weeks. And I think it'll be my fourth in a row that I've gone to, although I'm, as we, as we mentioned in the past, I'm, I'm less bullish on, on DockerCon, but yeah. There's a lot of great conferences out there with just tons of just really in-depth technical content. And it can be just a really great way for you just to get away from the office and just focus on on learning and improvement. Right. And then the last two were online training and code reviews. So I think everybody, online training is the one thing that kind of everybody gets their head around, right? You watch videos, you read blog posts, like everybody knows to do that and they do it. Whether they're learning the right things or, or, or not, it really makes a difference. And then code reviews, Gosh, I, we just can't say enough good things about taking code reviews seriously. Like, you know, looks good, commit it is not worth anybody's time. So doing code reviews with with thoughtfulness and wanting to help other people, actually putting putting a little bit of heart into code reviews is just so killer for getting better at software development and helping your team grow. And all of those five things, the the interesting thing about them is that, and I think this is what we're about to talk about, but but for me, it's like you can you can kind of push all these five things on people and have it be absolutely worthless. Like it's these five things are great if people internalize them, if they really want to get better and it and it's and sort of have like that 
that internal desire, you know, intrinsic motivation is the word I was looking for to, to do these five things and learn. And that's when they work. If you're just pushing it on people, you might as well not because it's not, not going to help. Yeah. And maybe even just to make that even more explicit is that at the end of the day, like improvement, personal development, I mean, you, the individual are responsible for that. No mm -hmm. one else, right? Like you need to be the one in the driver's seat. Like you need to decide to, that's a priority. You're going to make it happen. It's not someone else's job to do that. They can provide the, re you know, your company can provide resources and opportunities and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like it's, this is your job, right? This is your priority and you you need to to own it. Right. Although I do love it. Like I'm a little lazy. I do love it when I can just go to go someplace and just sort of sit back and like absorb the learning. It's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and but you still like, I mean, you still have to do the the work, right? Of assimilation, right? And like right, right. figuring out what it means. Sure. Otherwise it's <laughs> so we, we can't just, it's not like you can just sit back, open up your brain and have it just like spooned in, right? And it's like done, right? It doesn't work that way. Right on. So yeah, I think that leads into our next point quite a bit. So go ahead, Chris, what is our next point? Yeah, so, you know, again, just spent, I spent some time just thinking about like, okay, you know, what, what are some of the traits that, you know, make really great software developers? Like what, what are some of these like core foundational skills that they need? to stay relevant and keep up with the, the pace of innovation. And so I think the, the rest of this, we'll, we'll, we'll go through those. So it kind of came up with seven, seven principles that at least for me have been very important and kind of foundational during my career. And I think it's a good start. It's a good, it's a good springboard to, to have that discussion and see what other, other people's thoughts are as well, but maybe to dive into it. The, the first principle is just, Practice, 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 right? The the only way to really get great at software development is by writing code and writing lots of it. You just, there's no substitute for that. So you can go and take classes, you can get books, you can go to university, like you can get certified, but none of that is going to make you a great software developer. The Really the only thing that's, that's really going to make that happen is if you're actually writing the code. So your hands are on the keyboard, you're and you're just writing that code. It's really important to, you know, don't copy paste. Like just, I do see a lot of that. It's, it's really kind of an easy thing to do. And you can go Google, you know, what it is that you're working on and go find some sample code somewhere and just copy paste it. And then you just kind of like do some scaffolding around it. And, you know, it may end up, you have something usable that, that kind of works, but you know, how much of it did you really do? Like what, what, you know, you're, you're really kind of relying on the, the patterns of others and whatnot. So programming software development is really problem solving. So the more that you just kind of do it yourself and write that code, the the better off you're going to, you're going to be. Yeah. I think that's really important it is it's like software development. It's like such a weird, hard balance because software development has progressed so far and so rapidly because we can rely on each other's work. And we, we talked about that many times in terms of open source and using libraries and stuff like without that stuff, if we were, if we were writing everything from scratch all the time, we wouldn't be where we are today where we can just, you know, spin up a framework and get amazing things done really quickly. But at the same time, you know, it's, gosh, this this last five or five or eight years or so that's that's turned out a lot of copy paste development and developers 
is not not great for the future of software development because we really need people that understand what they're doing and have it have code kind of ready at hand like able to able to produce code without google is like it's a critical skill and that's where you know a lot of innovation comes from from mastering that skill and then using Google, like what, you know, learn how to write that code by writing that code and practicing it. And then, you know, then look at how other people are doing things, read other people's code for sure. But yeah, don't solve every, every problem by copy pasting other people's code. It's not, you're not going to learn as much, you you know, you will learn, obviously you will learn, but more slowly and you'll see the people that are, that are doing the hard yards that are like learning by doing accelerate their skill level much more quickly than yours. And that, I think that maybe kind of is the core thing. Like, sure, you'll learn, but so much more slowly than you would if you were practicing, if you're really doing it. Yeah, I think you, you hit a really important point there. There's a time and place for having that approach of like when it's when you copy paste or when you leverage the work of others. Right. So if you just start off your career and that's the only kind of really the style of development you do, then you're doing yourself a big disservice. Right. But once you build that foundation, once you've like, you really have done the hard work and the heavy lifting and you have written a lot of code, then, then it's okay. Right. Then you can start being a bit more flexible and, and you can make those, those trade-offs, right. You, you'll, you'll have a much better idea of when it makes sense for you to go and leverage something else, something that someone else has done versus, doing it yourself so right. there's there's a time and place for it but don't there's, don't do it early on there's something that you that's not in our outline but it's something that i always think about when i think about what are sort of the mental skills that you need to be a good software developer and i think it's this one is something that comes from practice so it kind of fits in with this bullet bullet point and one of the skills i think that people need to develop is the ability to hold many different possibilities in their mind at once without needing to have them laid out explicitly in front of them or without having to try them one at a time with a computer. So it's sort of the difference between write one line of code, compile it and run it and see if it works, write another line of code, compile it, run it and see if it works versus like being able to think through a whole design and maybe even writing like a whole function and then seeing if that works as opposed to just one little thing at a time. So in order to do that, you have to have lots of stuff in your mind at once, right? You have to you have to think, well, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And if I do this and that'll happen, like, yeah. And then like, I've got to have a, an expression that I'm going to match with these inputs. Like all these things are, are in your mind and you kind of imagine them. And I don't know how else to describe this, but you can kind of all imagine them and see it all in your, in your head all at once. And that is a skill that people can learn. And the more practice you have at software development, I think in, in a sense, the more of that you can hold in your mind at once. And as soon as you start to feel like you can hear a problem and then imagine the code behind it like fairly easily that's maybe when it when you you're you're like okay i'm starting to get this i'm starting to develop some mastery i don't know maybe that's too abstract what do you think chris is that is that a reasonable explanation yeah and like i said it kind of goes back to like the core of soft development like you are problem solving right you're thinking everything is basically it's an algorithm right like i mean you're like breaking it down from a logical standpoint of what what's the problem and what's my solution to it. And that whole thought process is complicated, right? And so you can't think of it as just one line of code at a time. It really is like, what is the algorithm? And you have to be thinking mm-hmm. of like various ways of doing it. It can't just be the first thing that comes to mind, right? That, mm-hmm. that may not be the best. It probably isn't. 
So the, and the more you practice too, the more you're exposed to those kinds of situations and actually probably the set of like possibilities grows with the more practice that you have and it makes you even better. So mm-hmm. absolutely being able to, to juggle all those abstract concepts, to be thinking algorithmically, to be thinking analytically, to be breaking problems down into steps. These are all core key to software development. Hey there, this is Rich. Please pardon this quick interruption. We recently passed an internal milestone of 30,000 listens, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for the support. I was also hoping to encourage you to head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. Positive feedback and constructive criticism are both incredibly important to us. So give us an idea of how we're doing, and we'll promise to keep publishing new episodes every week. Okay, let's dive back in. Uh, yeah, I want to push on this just one, a little bit more because I want to see if you relate to this. I've never asked anybody that before. So when I'm starting to write, say, a new function or a new class or something, sometimes my mind will feel like over full of stuff, like all, all this stuff that's that's going on in my head that I want to get out. And it's all kind of organized in my head and it's clear what I want to do. And it's like, but it's like over full. It's like there, there's so much in there that it's like a little, like almost a bad feeling. And then as I kind of get the code out, like onto the onto the screen that bad feeling starts to go away and, and turns into a good feeling because it's like ah oh, yes but you know i'm i'm not so overfull in my mind of things that i that i had all this logic that i was trying to keep keep all in just in my head all at once and it's like now it's on the screen and so it's like i feel better i don't know can you relate to that at all chris <laughs> sounds like sounds a bit like a brain explosion yeah yeah um, a little bit like know. that yeah. No, I mean, you know, I think everyone, everyone's different. For me, I don't think my experience has been so much like that as it's, I, I just, I don't know, it's weird. I, I think it's just, I've been doing it for so long and I've done it so many times where it just feels, I'm much more of like a divide and conquer, right? I, I see things, I, I kind of first think of in the big picture then I start breaking it down into to you know systems and components and then mm-hmm. modules and then just kind of go from there and kind of like start building out the the scaffolding if you will. So it's maybe it's just a, it's it's a it's a different approach. I, if it's something that's really hairy, like a really complicated algorithm or problem, then that's when I may like start sketching stuff out and actually yeah, like you know putting some, something down like actually physically on paper to help me think it through. But yeah. Interesting. All right. So that's practice, practice, practice. What's next? Yeah. So, you know, the, the next one that I think is is really important for software developers is persistence, right? Like you'll never be have mastery over software development if you don't have that persistence, right? It's software development is hard, right? You will struggle. There's been There's been so many times where I will be staring at a piece of code, just not understanding why it works. And there's just no substitute for just like sticking with it, persisting through that. It's painful, it's suffering, but you just, it's, you just have to do it, right? It's just part of that, that process. Cause it's, that's the journey that produces the, the insights that produces the, the, um, it's the mental exercise, right. That builds that muscle that just lays more foundation for, for going forward in the future. So if you never have anything that is challenging to you in software development, if you never have a need to persist, then you're either just absolutely a genius or 
you're not, you're definitely not being challenged. Like you're, or, you know, it may just be like something's wrong. <laughs> you're, you're doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> Cause it should be, it should be difficult. Right. It's, it's a very, it's a very intense mentally. It's a very mentally intense exercise for, for programming. So um, and just to point out that, that it may not seem like there's much of a difference between persistence and practice, 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 but the real difference is not, is that the persistence isn't the practice part. It's the, it's the part where, when the going gets tough, like you keep pushing and not so much the like the quantity, but the like the not letting go. And I, I also just want to say that, you know, you say, what you say is persistence, I think, is what it leads to is the development of confidence. And I think that that's a sign that, you know, that's one of the hallmarks of somebody who's you know likely to be a good developer is that just like a confidence that they can solve whatever problem is comes their way because they've persisted through so many before. Like this is just yet another one. This is one that's solvable too. And while yeah, of course there are some things that are not possible with today's technology, but you know, somebody that's persisted through a lot of difficult problems will know the difference. You know, that one, we can figure this out. We'll just give me another few days kind of thing and, and we'll, we'll solve it. We'll get there. Like, and I feel, I, I feel like that's relevant to Kelsis too. Cause that's like, one of the things that we, I find myself telling clients like, oh, yeah, are you ever going to fi fix that bug or, or reduce that latency? Like, this is taking a long time. No, we will. We got this. We, we're, it's just one of those hairy software problems that takes a few days. Just give us give us a little breathing room and we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and like a real, like a common indication of this is just like how many times, I mean, do you, you know, where you know people or maybe even us personally, right? You've started a project and then once something got like difficult or just just too challenging, just kind of gave it up, right? So how many half half started projects are out there mm -hmm. and they're, they're much more common than they should be, right? So it's, you know, as you, as you point out, it's quality is definitely Trump's quality I and mean, the quantity here. So finishing matters. So that when the going gets tough, just doubling down, having that confidence in yourself, just like you, there's a solution, right? You just haven't found it yet. You just need to stick with it and do it. And having that persistence is just so, so key, so critical because again, like anyone can do the copy paste stuff. Like if they're, if they're problems that have already been solved and they're out there on the internet, you can go copy paste them. Like anyone can do that. Like what's, what, what distinguishes you from, from any other developer out there, right? The really great ones are the ones that can, that can deal with more novel problems or the, the more impromptu problems, the ones that mm -hmm. like you can't Google your way out of it. Right. And it's mm -hmm. not going to be intuitive or easy to do. It's going to require the persistence and it's going to be painful and hard, but just have that confidence in yourself that like, I can do this. I just need to stick with it. <laughs> I'm laughing because I saw a tweet the other day that said something like, oh, I ran into a software problem and I couldn't solve it on Stack Overflow. And I just persisted and finally found it on the second page of Google. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? There's a second page? <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> i'm laughing but that makes me sad right right okay so yeah what's after persistence number three yeah so thinking thinking this through that you know a third thing that really kind of came top of mind is this concept of placing value on understanding above correctness and this is definitely in line with some of the the other things we already talked about but you know i think it's it's very common for people especially today and things like the agile processes and you know having your 
the work items that are assigned to you and, and having cards or whatnot to work on, you just want to get things done, right? So just here's my task items, here's what I'm supposed to do this week or whatever, just get it done. And so there's there can be a tendency to really prioritize that of just getting something to work. And I think you're doing yourself a big disservice there when you don't understand fully like why it works. So, you know, don't let anything about your software be a mystery. You really should understand what every line of your code is doing. And this is incredibly true for when you do look at other code from other people, borrow it, copy paste it or whatnot. Don't ever copy paste any piece of code into your code base unless you understand exactly what it's doing, right? If you if you if you don't understand that, like you're you're taking on a big risk and it's potentially gonna cause you a lot of problems down the road. And and not only that, like you're you're missing a, a huge opportunity for for learning and insight. So I think that's that's really important. There's the kind of related to this would be like when you are dealing with a, a problem in your software, like you have some some gnarly bug that you're dealing with, it could be you know a timing issue or a memory issue or whatnot, and you just kind of start randomly just changing things, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not really sure exactly what's going on. You just kind of understand the symptoms, but you really don't know what the cause is, right? And so you start changing things, and maybe it just kind of goes away. And then you're like, Phew, all right, done. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> that's you're, you're, you're really, again, doing yourself a disservice because this is like a huge opportunity for some, some deep insight and understanding. It probably means you're going to be learning all, like something really core that you just didn't understand before. So it could be something like really understanding how an operating system does does threading or it could be like how does nodes garbage collector work it could be you know really what does it mean to have synchronization in code with semaphores or something like that just really kind of persisting to understand what what the cause was and why it's happening and why why the solution works is really important i think because again you're this is again giving you those those core foundational insights that end up becoming just investments in you. Like it's, it's taking you to the next level each time you do that, as opposed to just letting the mystery remain, right? Like you're missing valuable opportunities there to fill in those holes, to increase your, your understanding, your comprehension that are going to just pay off immensely in the future. So, so definitely just value understanding above just getting stuff done. And I think you're going to be a much, much better developer that way. Yeah. So we were talking about this a little bit last week or in Brazil. And and the thing that I think the thing that's hard to do is to know when to dig deep and know when to just kind of stay at the surface. Because if you say, well, always dig deep, you just always have to dig deep, then you just paralyze the new developer. Like they cannot get anything done because they don't know anything, right? Like go learn the the express framework and it's like okay oh my god there's so much code here now i have to go learn how node works you know below that and oh my god now i have to learn javascript grammar like oh and then now i have to understand what unix is doing like that's just too much like i just can't you can't even do anything and and you know people come out of code schools or they come out of universities and they don't know these frameworks and but they're expected to produce code in those frameworks so it's like looking for i think what you're kind of getting at is okay maybe you don't know every detailed thing about every everything you're doing right now but look for opportunities to dig deep like okay so you're writing some code that 
has a problem, instead of just looking for the code solution to the problem, really take take that opportunity to find out what's really causing the problem. Like look for those opportunities because like taking that extra 15, 20 minutes to read something, that's not going to really slow you down or make you look bad on your Trello, you know, burn down rate kind of stuff. And it will pay those dividends. So I think that's what you're kind of getting at, right, Chris, is like looking for those opportunities and not just like stop all coding until you understand everything. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to go boil the ocean and, and understand every single line of code that you're pulling in from every framework that you're using. But I do think like whenever you're working on something and you run into a bug or a problem or you're just not understanding how it works, don't just you do the easy way out. Don't copy paste your way to a solution. Don't just kind of Changing randomly. Code randomly. Yeah. yeah, don't spray and pray, right? Like right, understand right. like what it is. And it it may end up taking you you know, six hours to, to finish that instead of one, but yep. your those five extra hours are going to be just a really great investment in your future. And as you progress and as you do this more often, that's going to flip that ratio. You're not, it's not going to be as common anymore, right? Cause you've, you've already made those investments and you have improved and you're getting better each time. So just that one thing, if just whenever there's mystery in the code that you're writing that you just don't understand, like what's going on, like understand it, chase it down. Like if you have to go ask someone else to help you out, do that. Right. But understand why. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that was number three. Rich, has this been at all helpful for you? Yeah, definitely. Nice. Yeah. I don't know. Have you found in, because you're a self-taught developer, have you found that this is kind of what you do? These first three things of practice and persistence and valuing understanding above correctness that has that been your approach at all? Yeah, I think my, my biggest problem, Chris had mentioned pretty early on, is like, you know, all the training in the world, all of the Udemy or Linda courses you take, they're not really valuable until you start writing code. And I, I found myself early on sort of falling into that where I would watch an entire, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd watch the entire series without writing code mm-hmm. with the intention of jumping back afterwards and starting over again, but that rarely happens. So right. my biggest thing these days, especially for our team is don't just lay on the couch and watch these things, watch, <laughs> right. watch them at your desk with a code editor open because mm-hmm. you'll forget just about everything the moment you put on Netflix. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I had to teach myself and, and something that we, we definitely try to promote internally at secret stash. But aside from that, yeah, all of that, the, the persistence is, you know, it's, it's like anything else. This isn't easy and persistence is typically what wins out with things that are hard, right? Just mm-hmm. doing what the other's not willing to do. And most of the time that's just really out, outlasting. Well, cool. So we have four more to go, but we want to respect your time. So we'll get back to it next week on MobiCast. Thanks for joining Chris and Rich. Thanks guys. See you next week. See ya. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash five five. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.